It's uh, now my pleasure to introduce uh, Ian Ritchie, who's the non-executive uh, chairman of IOMART, as well as uh, 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 being the executive chair of half a dozen other high-tech companies, a former member of the Scottish Enterprise Board and Scottish Funding Council, uh, the chairman of a huge variety of uh, extremely important uh, uh, Scottish institutions. So it's my great pleasure to introduce uh, our speaker, Ian Ritchie, CBE. Thanks very much, Fergus. It's a great pleasure to, uh, to be here this morning and, and, and give you the dispatch from the, uh, the entrepreneurial side of things or the innovation side of things in Scotland. Um, this is an area I've been involved in for about 30 years. Um, I first sold my first company to Panasonic and since then I've been involved in about 40 different startup companies. Um, one of which we floated for 60 million, another one we sold for 100 million dollars, another one we sold for 40 million euros. So I'd, I've been through the mill and all this sort of stuff. Um, and uh, I guess it's my job to, to, guess, to tell you the state of the art at the moment and, and where we are with this, this situation. There we go. Um, I'll start off with this because um, Silicon Valley is really the, the, the model for, for this around the world. Um, so, yeah, how to form your very own Silicon Valley startup? Go to Menlo Park, which is a, a town next to Stanford University, and you find a tree and you shake the tree and a venture capitalist will fall out. And before the venture capitalist regains his wits, recite the following incantation, and the venture capitalist will give you $4 million. In 18 months, 18 months, mind, you go public. Um, and after you receive your cheque, you go back to Menlo Park and you find a tree and you climb it and you wait. Uh, and this is the story of, I mean, it's a little bit compressed, obviously, but this is the story of, of Silicon Valley. And this is the economic climate that's created companies right from Hewlett Packard. I mean, Hewlett Packard started uh, Hewlett Packard in 1937 when it was all orchards. All the uh, high tech in, in industry in America was in the East Coast at that time. Hewlett-Packard started a spin-off outside, uh, on the edge of um, Stanford University. In 1937, David Hewlett and uh, Bill, Pack, Bill, Bill Hewlett and David Packard. Um, and since then, we've had Intel, we've had uh, Apple, we've had Google, we've had Facebook. I mean, Google and Facebook are less than 15 years old and massive, massive economies in, in the planet today. So this is the kind of thing that we want to try and build. Now, why, why can we do that? Well, you know, as the First Minister has kind of pointed out, not in these words, but we are the Andy Murray of scientific research. We're somewhere in the top four. You know, actually, surprisingly, we're also in there with Switzerland, which is Andy Murray's bet, uh, bet noir as well. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we're way, way up there in the top four in the world in, in terms of scientific research. But the fact of the matter is, uh, well, our research ratings are, are one of the very, very best in the world. We're way, way ahead of our pooling power. But uh, in terms of top 20 tech hotspots, this is a recent um, publication on the top 10 to 20 uh, tech hotspots in the world. And there's some places in there I've never heard. I don't know where Chennai is. Anybody know where Chennai is? Pune? But we're not on this list. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But we really ought, to, I mean, Edinburgh ought to be on that list. It really, really ought to be on that list. If we're fighting, we're punching our weight in terms of innovation, we ought to be up there, you know, around about the top 10 or, or, or 15 or so. So why is that? Why have we got one of the best scientific research communities in the world, but we've got one of the most sluggish economies, a third quartile economy? Well, you might wonder. I mean, you, you speculate on, on uh, how this venture capital and risk capital and stuff works, and you might think of this picture. Uh, this is a cartoon from Dilbert. It's last century, unfortunately, before the dot-com bust. Wally, the, the guys say, we're venture capitalists. We want to invest in your web-based business. And Wally says, I don't own a web-based business. I'm just an engineer with a cool ponytail. And the guys say, that's good enough for us. We'd like to get in early. Now, that... <laughs> 
that really was the picture. <laughs> but unfortunately, the dot-com bust happened. And, and bubbles do happen, right? But bubbles have got an enormous effect. And the, the dot-com bubble in particular had a dreadful effect um, on high-tech. Um, the, the, the damage the venture capital community um, enormously. Now, what this graph shows is the various stages of investment that are available from the venture capital community going into risk companies. Okay, so you'll see the seed round, which is the real risk early stage stuff, has been compressed from 13.3% in 1999 to 2.6% in 2005. And later stage rounds, the A rounds have gone down as well, and the B rounds have gone down, and all the money is moving to later stage companies, which are less risk, um, maybe not quite as good return, but safer return. And so investment has gone towards that you know, later, later stage, uh, less risky, and less innovative uh, companies. Now that's, that's okay for an economy, that's fine for an economy, but for an economy that wants to be innovative and break new ground and start new companies, which we need to do, because certainly in, in Scotland we lose so many PLCs per year, we need the fresh blood coming up from below. We need to have that kind of funding uh, to do that. I mean, another way of looking at this is, uh, this is pretty bad news actually. This is because of the dot-com bubble in 2001, and then the companies that got invested in after 2001 hit the, uh, the financial bubble bursting in 2008. So for the last tw 12 years, there's been a blight on, on uh, technology businesses growing from scratch. So you'll see here in 2001, the amount of venture capital, uh, the, the, sorry, return on venture capital was enormous, was 40%. And then it collapsed. And so for the last uh, eight years or so, there's been almost no money made in early stage risk uh, compared to um, uh, management buyouts, small, medium and large management buyouts. There's, that's where all the significant money is made. If you look at technology against non-technology, it's even worse. So technology used to make a lot of money. In the last X years, 10 years, technology has made almost no money. So non-technology companies have made all the money. Now that's scary stuff. And you might say, well, let's not do it anymore. But unless we invest in our future, we won't have a future. So we have to find a way of solving this problem. Here's another scary, <laughs> sorry about all these scary graphs. Another scary graph. This shows the investment by region um, across the UK. And I've, I've put all the regions on the chart, but I've highlighted uh, London, South East and Scotland. So Scotland's the yellow one at the bottom. Um, and I, I don't want to particularly pick out Scotland here because if you look at the regional ones, they, they've all collapsed. All the risk money in the UK is pouring into London and the South East. London is no longer the capital of Britain. London is the technology capital of Europe. You know, this is the place where you've got this sort of magnet um, and you've got this economic powerhouse and you've got a circulation of risk capital and entrepreneurs and so forth. And you've got to face this. So London has gone from 25% to 40%. The Southeast has gone from 15% to 30%. So you've got more than two thirds of all the risk capital in, in Britain goes into London and the Southeast. And this is a challenge we've got to take on. So what's the investment landscape in Scotland? Actually, it's pretty good. You might surprise to hear me say that. But it is pretty good, um, and that's largely because of our angels. The business angels in Scotland are very supportive, and they put a lot of money into risk businesses. The, this is backed up by the Enterprise Investment Scheme, which is a fiscal policy, a UK-wide fiscal policy. The Enterprise Investment Scheme gives very, very good tax breaks to individuals who risk their own capital in businesses. One problem with the Enterprise Investment Scheme is you're only allowed to own common stock, ordinary shares. Uh, venture capitalists never buy uh, ordinary shares. They buy pref shares and warrants and all sorts of other um, conditions. 
and enterprise investment scheme investors, business angels, are not allowed to buy those shares. So if you move a company on to a venture capital round, you are a second class shareholder. And that's a big problem. And so a lot of companies are sold far too early, far too cheap, rather than move them on um, with, with more and more significant uh, venture capital. So that's an issue. Here in Scotland, in particular, the Scottish Investment Bank has run this co-investment scheme very successfully. I was on the board of Scottish Enterprise when we started the co-investment fund in 19, 2003, I think it was, and there were three angel groups in Scotland at the time. Now there are nearly 20. So the, we've got these powerful angel groups who are investing quite substantial money in early stage risk, and that's exactly the sector that the angel groups can, can attack. Although, as I say, there is a problem with moving these companies on because many of these companies might need a further five or 10 million and getting that five or 10 million would have to come from venture capital sources, which would have conditions um, like PREFs on, the, on, their, on their investments. However, the, the co-investment fund does create some anomalies, obviously. Um, one of the anomalies is it might mean that early stage seed, the very first 25,000 pounds, is a much more tougher to reach. Because angels no longer hunt individually, because the co-investment fund licenses syndicates, the angels um, work in packs now. Um, and so they're like the way VCs used to be. So you have to pitch to them. Uh, they've got due diligence processes, they've got gatekeepers and so forth. So it's a process. It's not the same as getting your first 25,000 pounds from a, a, an individual angel. And so that, that may be a problem in terms of, there are very few people like me who are the individual angels who put in the first 25,000 pounds. It also encourages companies to pitch in the range of half a million to one and a half million, which is the angels range. That's the kind of range that angel syndicates can, can do. So that does encourage companies to pitch for that. Now that's fine because a heck of a lot of companies need between half a million and one and a half million pounds to get started. But some don't, some need a lot more. And a company that should really be going out for five to 10 million and which is encouraged because of the climate here to pitch an angel range, that may be diminishing our chances of getting future superstars. So it limits ambition of smaller companies, to smaller companies, and it limits our ambitions to trade sales. Far too many of our Scottish companies get sold far too early. And the shrinking venture capital sector has moved to later and larger deals, and they're getting huge, huge problems in raising follow-on funds. Now, as I say, this is all very well, uh, but if we don't invest in our future, we won't have a future. So why are we failing? Why are we third quartile? Well, we're great, as you've heard, about breakthrough technology. Um, but we're poor at commercialisation. We've got excellent technology teams. You can put on world-class technology teams in Scotland, no question about it. But we're weak in marketing and we're weak at management. We have a lack of ambition, we have a lack of experience. But we really have got a very serious lack of ambition. We don't go and take on the world. We've got a lack of substantial long-term risk capital, as I mentioned. And we've got relatively weak professional services. And we've also got, it's a UK-wide thing, but we have a technology-adverse public markets. So you can't really float technology companies on the stock exchange these days. You know, the London Stock Exchange has been given over to international mining businesses. So what can we do? Well, a number of things we can do. We can take some of these fantastic universities and make them much more commercially oriented. We could make a, a point of every technology student, in fact, not just technology students, all students should get decent management and entrepreneurial skills embedded in them um, in our universities. We could support high-value employment. I mean, one of my frustrations is to see something like um, the, the government giving £10,000 a job for minimum wage jobs in a warehouse in Fife to Amazon. But Skyscanner is going to employ 100 new high-quality engineers in the next 10 years in Edinburgh 
are not going to get any support per job. And that's much, much more important to the Scottish economy that we have these kind of jobs. We have to ensure that universities become more commercially relevant and connected. Most universities at the moment are completely preoccupied by REF, which is very much focused on their scientific research papers. And they're not concerned at all about the external um, uh, economic... Uh, Tim will disagree with this, but, <laughs> but by and large, it's, it is a, is a trend that unfortunately we have to face. And we have to encourage Scotland to invest in itself and take risks and take on the world. It's interesting that um, some people say, and I think it's fairly true, there's something like 800, 850 billion pounds of investment under management in Scotland. And not very, very few of these pounds go into Scotland itself. They invest, and, and Scotland's economy is only 150 billion, so 800 billion under management is an enormous amount of money. But very little of that goes into Scotland. So we don't invest in ourselves. A funny thing, actually, a lot of the people in these angel groups are professional fund managers. So by day, they invest their professional money, other people's money in other countries. And by the evening, they invest their own nickel in angel investments. That's very interesting. You know, but I think we must be ways of unlocking that type of thing. And we have to take risks and we have to take on the world. So we all have to start somewhere. And this is uh, where Silicon Valley started, Bill Hewlett's garage. You know, and here in Scotland, we've got facilities every bit as good as this. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Ian, for a very thought-provoking and interesting address. Could I